brain freeze. Good morning, everyone. So we, I had told Kathy last week, I'll get up and you close, and then last week it was like, I completely forgot of the plan, so we had that awkward moment, but we're good now, all right? Well, we want to welcome everybody. Everybody doing good this morning? Let's give the praise band a big hand clap. Come on, they deserve it. Before we uh, start the service, we want to do something. We're going to do something special this morning, and I'm going to ask um, HH and Diana to come up here. And Miss Catherine, I know you didn't expect this, so you need to come up here too. So y'all come up here. And you can bring. See, another surprise for you, right? We just um, wanted to honor you. I don't know if you want to share something. Mic, hand mic, mic check. You might just switch. All right. Testing. Oh, that's dangerous. Go ahead. Go for it. Well, no, so. Um, as some of you know, we've been uh, working through our, our JSMI course, um, which uh, if you weren't involved, I don't know, uh, I don't know what the future will hold for, for maybe getting a chance to do that. But what I can tell you, uh, you know, for us being in the, in the teaching profession, it's a hard job. It is, um, you know, for as much as you guys don't like taking homework home and sitting there, home, oh, got homework. Well. Imagine, you know, uh, times 20, times 30. I remember one time when my wife first started, she would come home, you know, because kids hate to write essays. She would come home having to grade, I don't know, 100, 120 essays in a day. So, you know, like I said, being on the other end is actually a lot of work. Um, and so, uh, you know, we know better than a lot of people exactly how much effort she had to put in here and reading our chicken scratch and trying to figure out, you know, what exactly was he meaning? And, well, you know, it's not exactly, but maybe I'll give him credit. You know, those kind of things, they, they take a long time. And, they, you know, it, it's, it's just something that um, she did basically just because she wanted to help all of the, the people involved, all of the students in JSMI get to that next level with their, in their walk with God. And so... For all that stuff, she didn't, you know, she didn't get paid for it. It, 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 you know, a lot of times it can be really thankless, and so we're here to fix that this morning and say thank you very thank much, you, Kathy, Kathy, for all your work. Um, real quick, if there's if there's JSMI students, we're we're two right now. There's a third. Mm -hmm. So, uh, will our JSMI students please just stand up so that we can thank her uh, on our behalf? Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy, so much. You know, I tried to get her to give me the answers, and she wouldn't do it either. So, no, I said, like, hey, we're the pastors. You're supposed to cut us some slack, right? <laughs> no, she didn't give us any chance. So thanks again, Kathy, for all your work. Give her one more hand clap. Amen. And even, through, even through COVID, she was still grading. <laughs> so God bless you, Kathy. All right, you all ready to get in the word this morning? That's half of you. Let's try it again. How many are getting ready to get the word this morning? Thank you. All right. See, that's better. I haven't done this. I've been wanting to do it. So if I miss somebody, it's because you didn't comment. But I do want to give a shout out to our online church. We know you're there. Oh, yeah. Children, you are released. See, that's the problem when you don't do the announcements, you know. All the kids, super kids, jam club, follow those. 
hardworking ladies there by the door. Let's give our kids a hand clap since we gave a lot of hand claps this morning. Come on. What a blessing. So I wanted to do this. So I just, um, if you're watching online, just say, hey, that way I'll know you're on there. But, you know, there's a lot of people online watching, so we want to just, I'm just going to go through these really quick because we know you're there. So um, my sister and my brother-in-law over um, near Augusta, Georgia are online. So God bless you guys who are faithful. And Ms. Vela, we see you. Adolfo and Becky. Um, Karen, Brady, Pamela, Orlando. If, you're, if you commented, you're going to get a shout-out. Janie, Daniel. Now everybody's shouting out, you see. They're like, I don't want to get left out. All right, okay. Ray and Jessica, we see you all the way from Temple, Texas. God bless you. Saida from Laredo, you're on. You see, everybody's on like, hurry up, hurry up, come in. No, nobody was commenting until I said that. God bless you all. Um, James, Samson, God bless you, my brother. John, Trevino's on. Well, I think we're just going to do this all service now because everybody's checking in now. And um, so anyhow, we do know you're there. We do acknowledge you. You're not, you're not a sub-church. You're not a side thing. We consider you the upper tier of a church. And um, of all the bad things that COVID caused, that was one good thing that came out of it, that, that our online church got formatted correctly, and they're just as part of the church as you are. So God bless you guys. I've just been wanting to do this for weeks, and I keep forgetting. So we know you're there, and if I keep, everybody's commenting, of course, now. So too late. God bless you. All right. Let's get into the word. Father, we thank you this morning for the word. We thank you, Father, for this church. It's alive. It is well. It is focused. It has the right kind of energy. And I give you glory and praise for that, God, because we could not do anything we've been called to do if it wasn't for these people. So we bless our church, online church, local church, different campuses, Father. We thank you that Faithway is a family, but it's also a team, a team with a mission. And we thank you, Father, that these foundation series is, is speaking to us, is speaking to me. It's making me re visit some things in my own life, and I give you praise and glory for the word this morning. We receive it with joy, and everybody said, amen. So we're on foundation number three, and um, this is the one that I, again, I don't think I can do this in one week. I'm trying to say, well, I was going to do like one week, but then there's just, you can't, you know, there, there's information there. And what I'm, what I'm doing with this series was really just going back into the things in my life that made a huge difference when I met God, you know, I mean, when I came back to God in 1992, and just certain truths and certain things that my wife and I picked up right at the beginning and have developed over almost 30 years. And one of our missions, so everybody knows, you know, at least I, I can speak for myself and for HH and the leadership of this church is really our mission is to build a bridge. It's not, you know, we don't know everything, but there's some things that's taken us a long time to learn. And when I mean learn, real-life application. Because you can learn a lot of word, but if it doesn't transfer into your everyday life, then it's just, it's just head knowledge. It's not, it's not really, I mean, you might get to heaven, but you'll live like hell on earth, right? Because every devil will be on you. I'm not talking cussing hell, I'm talking literal hell. You know, we've had a few of those demons show up this week in our house. And, but um, So our goal in ministry from the very beginning, you know, was to take the truths that we've, we were learning, even as we were learning them and teaching them. I mean, I remember preaching that God would prosper you, and we were completely broke. I mean, we were, I preached in a little Baptist church, the first church that ever, you know, dared invite me, and it was um, actually um, at Aseli and Miriam's dad's church in Oilton. And I remember preaching the truths you hear here, 
and getting home and the next day to cut our lights out because we couldn't pay for the electricity, you know? And, and I learned quickly that our circumstances didn't change the word. Are you here? You know, your circumstances doesn't change the word. The word will change your circumstances. So I was committed because the same word that had delivered me from, you know, 14 years of very destructive lifestyle instantly, um, now I was seeing it in, in, in every area of my life. And I always would go back to that. I said, if, if it worked for this, it needs to work for this, right? And the first truth we discovered, you've heard the story many times, so I won't repeat it. My, my wife discovered, you know, broke out of religion mindsets and got into the word, and she was able to be healed. And, you know, and th through the many years, it wasn't instantly, you know, we, we, we developed this foundation of healing. And, you know, glory be to God, we're not a sick, and we were used to be sick. That's the thing. We weren't always a healthy family. Everybody was always sick in the house. But you develop that faith, and we rarely get sick. You know, I've, I think in, in the last 30 years, I've probably spent one night, no, two nights in a hospital, and that was for a hernia surgery years and years ago, in 30 years, you know. So, and my wife, you know, she had the, the procedure, and also, she, you know, we don't, we're not hospital people. You know, we're not, we don't get, hardly ever get sick. But, you know, when we moved into believing God for finances, it was almost a little difficult because for years we struggled to understand that. But it was a foundation truth. So th this morning and, and probably into next week, this is a really important foundation because one of the things that I discovered in this teaching is you can't separate purpose from prosperity. And let me just kind of introduce what's on my heart. Coming into the word, what we call word of faith, People like Brother Copeland and, and, and Creflo and Jesse, Jerry, all these guys, and those were our very our, our mentors, the first people that really challenged us to say, you can believe God, you know, you can actually believe God. And, you know, and there was a lot of, of teaching that, that hovered around the area of finances and so forth, and it was biblical, and it's biblical. Now, within this, what I'm going to say now, within this camp, and not, and not any of the guys that I mentioned, those guys I highly respect. I've watched them for 30 years, and the media can talk trash about them, and even Christians talk trash about them. But I've seen them firsthand. I get the inside scoop on a lot of things that these ministries do because we know people that are very close to them. And I would not be following any of them if I thought they were, you know, in any area stealing money or living below what they preach. But on the same note, there was a lot of people that would take the same teachings and use them completely for their benefit. And that always bothered me because, you know, growing up in, in, in Mexico and just giving you a little bit of my background, and someday I'm going to share my whole testimony because it's, you know, I think we, we, you guys get little bits and pieces here and there. I've never really, well, maybe years ago I did it, but I only do it really when I do it when God, you know, sets me the right moment. But, you know, I, I was on my own pretty much since I was 16 in central Mexico, and it was kind of a mutual agreement. I didn't run away from home. My parents kind of wanted me to do my own thing, you know. It's, um, they love me very much, but, you know, I was, I was that kid, right? And by the age of 17, as some of these, some of these stories, you would not believe them if I didn't tell them. You know, in, in a, all kinds of weird circumstances, I ended up owning a cantina. Now, not a bar sounds really nice. A cantina, I'm talking the wood doors and mezcal and up in the mountains and drug runners and guns. So, it's, you know, you're, you're exposed to some stuff at 17 where, and so forth and so on. And there are a lot of stories like that in our life. But one thing you learn is you, what you call in Mexico, you call street smarts. And you can't con a con. Say amen. I know some of you would have no idea what I'm talking about, and some of you are very well versed with what I'm talking about, all right? So you would go into church, and you'd see these guys that would 
present the gospel, especially in the area of prosperity, and partially it was the Holy Spirit, and partially it was just me knowing that guy's not for real. And it was all about getting money out of people, and it was all about that. How many know what I'm talking about? And you get a yucky feeling. Because money, you know, at the end of the day, is just a tool. Money doesn't make you good or bad, it's just a tool. But these people, and you know, we've heard the stories, and we've heard the disasters, and we've heard the scandals through the, through, the, through the ministry. Does that make this message wrong? Of course not. It's in the Bible. But people are people, and humans have human nature, and a lot of ministers did not start down the wrong path, but because the financial crisis or financial situation, they would begin to, to take the message that God can prosper you, but it was about their benefit. And one of the things that Brother Copeland said has stuck for me for years is his prosperity it's not about you getting more money. Prosperity is about you having the ability to fix humanity. Amen? So to me, that kind of settled it. And everywhere I preach, even in, in the nation of Cuba and other places before, you know, you can't separate purpose from prosperity. And right from the get-go, and, and we're going to go, you know, let, let's just go into the scriptures and I'll, I'll show you. And I want to start, first of all, I'm sorry, I'm a little ahead of myself. I want to start with a, a quote by maybe somebody that you wouldn't expect him to say this, but, you know, famous, famous painter, um, Pablo Picasso, and he said, the meaning of life is to find your gift. And I like the second, you know, it says, the purpose of life is to give it away. That is so profound. And I, I thought that was such a, such a powerful, powerful quote, because that's really what the trek that we are. You know, when we begin to talk about purpose, you know, you're talking about meaning, but meaning is kind of a very generalized more of an idea, well, I'm searching for meaning. Well, meaning doesn't really mean nothing unless you really find a purpose for it, right? Until you finally apply it. So I thought that was really interesting. We'll come back to that idea. But this is where I want to go right now. Genesis 12, verse 1 and verse 3, and I, and I picked the amplified version because it does amplify some of the key scriptures here. So I want to read it, and this will introduce us to where we're going this morning. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, go, go for yourself, and listen to what is in parentheses, because Amplified Bible, what it does, it takes the, the, the original text that it was written, and they will add the, the amplification. In other words, they, they will basically translate some of these key lines. So the Amplified Bible is a pretty interesting Bible, but it's really long because it's, you know, they keep adding. But, this is, but, but these, these scriptures, these meanings are in the original text. So it would say, the Lord said to Abraham, go for yourself, it says, for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives and your father's house, to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you with abundant increase of favors, and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing. And this is what he translates blessing, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you. And you will all the family and kindred of the earth be blessed, and by you they will bless themselves. So that is, you know, pretty powerful in, you know, three verses, but the summary of this is basically God has blessed you, so the blessing, you could say that's the prosperity. Prosperity, is, when I say prosperity, don't think about money. Money is just one aspect. Prosperity includes health. Because you can have all the money in the world and be sick as a dog and you can't enjoy it, right? And you can be as healthy, you know, as, you know, 100% healthy and be broke and you still don't enjoy life. So prosperity is really, it's a combination of things. It's a combination of what causes peace in your life? And it's not always money. Money is not the answer, you know, to, to happiness. You know, money, um, like Jesse, I think Jesse DePlanet says, money is not the answer to happiness, but it makes you more comfortable when you're miserable. <laughs> right? But, um, 
the key, what I'm getting here says, I will bless you. So that is, you could say that's the prosperity. But he didn't just stop there. It says, to be a blessing, that's your purpose. So that's why, you know, everywhere I preach and we talk about these subjects, and I preach them to the poorest people you've ever imagined, and I preach to some of the richest people you've imagined, and the message doesn't change because the key to understand this foundation in your life is the why. And I know in this church we talk a lot about purpose, and we've talked about it, you know, in the last few months from different angles, but it's, it's the reason you're going to hear certain things in this church on and on, and I know some well, I've already heard that. Well, you're not really because you haven't been in this moment, so you haven't heard everything. But you're going to get pretty much the same messages, you know, different revelations. But, you know, what keeps somebody, for example, like H.H. Indiana, that I've lost count. How many years have you all been here? 25? 98? That's a long time. Whatever it is, it's a long time. So since 98 to 2018, that's 20, right? Doing math? It's way too early right now. It's 23 years, something like that. Message is pretty much the same, right? Every year you kind of hear, but they keep coming back for more. So it's not like, well, I already, it's like, it's not like going to a movie. I already saw a movie. I'm not going to go see it. Because God gives us depth in, into understanding. And the more you talk about it, the, the greater depth it comes. But here's the key to understand what, where we're going. So the foundation of, you'll hear a lot about purpose. That's part of what I believe in. I believe if you don't, if you don't have purpose in your life, then, you know, what are you doing with your life, right? So the key you have to understand is you can't separate purpose from prosperity. And that will keep your doctrine healthy. And that will keep you, when the guy on the TV, and, you, and, and, and they'll work you, man. They'll work you emotionally, and pretty soon you're cutting a check. Give $1,000, and the Lord will. Whoa, watch it. What's the purpose here? Am I just giving to get? Then we're off the thing. You see, I've, I've seen all these scam, schemes and scams, and they try to sell you the holy oil from Israel and the piece of Benny Hinn's tie and everything else they try to sell you. And I just I always did not enjoy that. I just had such a big problem with that because I've seen cons my whole life. Hate to say I was one at some point in my life. So that was a huge turnoff, but it didn't change the message. Are you with me? So don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Because sometimes when you talk about prosperity in the church, people, hey, he's, all he's talking about is your money. All he wants is... Listen, I don't want your money, all right? I got my own money. <laughs> and I work very hard for mine, trust me. But when you understand that the, you are called to be blessed, and that's a calling, and there's an anointing for you to be rich, that's the truth. But you can't use a purpose. Because if you forget about the purpose, then it's going to be all about the money, right? So you got to keep your balance. This is really about balancing this thing. Because I've heard it all, and some people have even said, well, you need to get away from those words of faith. I'm not getting away because this is the life, this is the word that changed my life. And I, and, and, and I don't worship people, you know, I don't put people on an altar because we're all humans, we're all defective. We all need a savior. Can I hear an amen? So, you know, if any of the people that I just mentioned goes off on a tangent and runs away with somebody else's wife or steals all the money, I'm not going to, I'm not falling. A lot of people do fall because they lift up man and the whole oh, man, you know, the preacher, the pastor, the, the, the guy on TV, and when they fail, well, they fail also. No, you don't lift up man. man we're, all men are imperfect. Can I hear you, man? But as long as they're feeding you the word, then, you, you know, you latch on to certain people because you should recognize people in your life that's your pastor, 
teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles. You should have all these people. All these voices should be in your life. And we bring all these voices. You know, Terry Mize is under the category of an apostle. Elson Bennett is a pastor, but he also works under, under the anointing of the prophet. You know, and we brought other people, Pastor Dan and other people that function in different gifts. So you need these voices, but what I'm saying is don't ever create an image of somebody that's greater than God. God's the one that saved you, all right? And he uses people. But let's, let's just, um, let's go back to this, and just some of the key amplifications that he does is, number one, he says, for your own advantage, he tells them, you need to do this, I will bless you, and what is the blessing defined as in the Amplified? With abundant increase of favors. So favor is, is the part that God puts on your life. In other words, I would say the favor of God would be, and that's, I know, that's another message for another time, but just briefly we mentioned favor because favor is God's ability placed on your ability that causes things in your life to happen that would normally not happen. That's the favor of God. When you walk into a parking lot and say, oh, I don't feel like walking and I need a parking spot, Lord Jesus, give me a parking You know, faith people, we're crazy enough to believe God for parking spots. Come on. How many, am I the only one here that believes God for, when you don't feel, thank you, bunch of freaks in this church, I knew it. Because some people say, you faith people are crazy enough to believe God for a parking spot. I said, yes, we do that all the time. But you know what happens when you learn to have favor? You're just driving around the parking lot and, you know, about the second time around, here comes that first slot, somebody just happens to back out. And when you pull in, you got to recognize that's the favor of God. And then you walk into the store and you're ready to buy something, and it's half price. Exactly what you're looking for. You know, we went to, there's this, there's this gentleman, I actually need to call him, that we're helping in Laredo. He's, he was, he's kind of going, you know, through halfway house and so forth. Process. He's a good guy. And a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I went with Richard, one of, our, one of the leaders from Faithway Laredo, and we, we went to him to bless him, and he needed a lot of stuff. And some of the things that he needed, some work boots. So I said, look, man, I'll go to Walmart and get some work boots. That's fine. So Richard went with me. And we picked them, and we saw them right there on the thing. It said, whatever, $67, because they have to be, you know, steel toe and whatever. That's fine. You know, that, that was not the issue. I, was, I already told him I was going to buy him. We bought him some socks and stuff. And we go to the cash register. They scan the boots, $26. I said, that's a favor of God right there. Amen. I wasn't complaining about the price. But you see, little, little things, they didn't say on sale, they didn't have a clearance, nothing. They just scanned it, and I'm not going to sit there and argue with the little girl. <laughs> no, this, yes, this isn't, you know, y'all need to learn to that, you know, that's not, <laughs> I mean, if you get, a, a, like, a debt cancellation, and, and you get, like, a letter that your house is paid for, don't call them back. <laughs> don't ask any more questions. <laughs> you all made a mistake. Well, let me check. Oh, yes, we did. Now, <laughs> Now, the favor of God is everywhere, but the favor of God is the blessing. So what is the blessing? What does, what does the blessing do? It causes favor. You don't walk like mere mortals anymore. You walk with favor. Can I hear an amen? And then it, 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 as you break it down, it says you will be a blessing because he tells you you have the abundance increase, and I will make your name famous and distinguished. And here's the key. You will be a blessing because now he tells you what the blessing is. He says, you know, I will bless you. I'm going to give you the ability to walk in the favor. But once you have the favor, it's not about just you getting rich. It's about using what God has given you and helping others. And the helping others is not just to give them stuff. I mean, that's part of it. We do that. But you also do the last line, which is you teach them to bless themselves. 
Because now that you're learning it, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but I was on the receiving end for many years that it was more blessed not to give, it was more blessed to receive because we were broke and we didn't have anything. But then, you know, soon then, and we weren't, we weren't on any place, we were still pretty broke when God started putting the demand to be a blessing. And we were blessing people when we were down to our last $20. Hello. No, you, you know, so well, when I get some money, I'll be a blessing. No, you got to receive this wherever you're at because this is how it works. Am I losing you all this morning? So it's right here. So he says, and they will bless themselves. So part of what we're doing and part of my job is not only to, to tell you, hey, God can bless you, but I want to teach you how you can be blessed and then how you will be a blessing to others. So that's when you begin to, to put together, because if there's something you get out of this reading, it's purpose and prosperity. So I could never figure out why some preachers would talk a lot about money, but they wouldn't talk about purpose. I mean, some of you have heard that, right? The whole sermon was about money, 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 money. And I'm thinking, okay, when are you going to get to the purpose? When are you going to get to the reason that we have to have some money? And it never happened. The reason of that message was for the preacher to get the money. Hello. That's just, I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest with you this morning. Those things, you know, I'm like, you know, they say you, you rub a cat the wrong way. I don't have cats. I know Angie does, but I've already forgiven them for that. Because cats, you know, cats, you, they're not your pet. You're their pet. Only when they want to be petted. Dogs are like, oh, you're the best person in the world. Dogs are... Dogs do go to heaven. That's a fact. Cats, we're still debating. <laughs> Let's get back to the word, Angie. The blessing of the Lord, pay attention now, Proverbs 10.22 says, it makes rich, but he adds no sorrow to it. So that tells me there's a prosperity that could have a lot of sorrow. Because money without purpose will cause sorrow. Number one reason, it's been for probably 40 years now, maybe 50 years, number one reason, still number one, top of the list, Christians and, you know, heathens, number one reason people get divorced, money. Financial pressure on a home. Infighting, fighting, fighting, they can't stand each other, they finally split up. But the key issue was money. And so I could put it this way, if you don't understand the blessing and you come across a lot of prosperity by any means, by your work or an inheritance or whatever, there will be sorrow attached to it. Money will split families up. Families was all fine till dad died, and then everybody wanted a piece of the pie. And there's families today that brothers don't talk to each other and sisters. You probably know people like that. And it was about money. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Because, you know, at your deathbed, hopefully you'll be 120. Nobody's asking, show me my bank reports. Show me my stock market investments. You know what people want around their bedside? Their family. That's what they want. They can be the richest person. And we've done a lot of funerals, and we've never, done one with a, we've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul. Yeah, you're not taking any of it. Amen? So, the blessing of the Lord, it makes you rich. And this, don't spiritualize this. So, well, that's a spiritual richness, Pastor. No, he's talking about money. He's talking straight up about stuff. But he associates it with the blessing. 
So the blessing is a spiritual thing. This blessing is a spiritual endowment. The blessing is that favor, right? Are you with me? But the favor will cause increase. And that increase, when it comes from the Lord, it has no sorrow with it because you're going to figure out that the blessing has to be flowing. That's why there's no sorrow. There's actually joy. It's amazing. When you bless people, the scripture is still the truth. It is more blessed to give, finish it, than to receive. It's fun to receive, but there's something exciting when you sow it. Are you still here? When, when, the, when you go, and I, again, I wish I could I'd just take you all and put you on a plane. We'll go to Cuba and see what you're doing to make the life of these people better. Because you don't really see it because you just, you know, you give money, but when it gets transferred and gets translated and gets moved to Cuba and people's lives are better because Faithway and Faith Exchange up in New York got together and said, we want to be a blessing. Amen? So, again, these are just foundations that we're setting this morning. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. He adds no sorrow to it. So don't ever be afraid of walking in the blessing. Is there, I mean, there's some weird people. Some people say, I don't want a lot of money because, you know, I might be ruined. Well, you, you know, you're ruined already. <laughs> Amen? I mean, in your brokenness, you're already greedy. That's what you're saying. No, the blessing of the Lord is it comes with to be. Don't ever forget that to be. So once you settle this, then you're a prime, you know, prime candidate for God to use you for his glory. And last time we checked, that system runs with money. Amen? Y'all enjoy the church building? It's nice and cool and nice and warm when it was cold. Well, that costs about $1,000 a month. Hope you enjoy it. What was our last bill? Something right there? Yeah. Nice, right? It's, it's nice to be comfortable, but it does cost, you know, money to be comfortable. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what money's for. So remember that the, the, the blessing, these are just foundation scripture. Let's keep moving. Third John, verse 2, just one chapter. These are, these are foundation scriptures that changed my life back in 1992, 1993, in my forming years as, 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 as I first walked in to do. It's very simple. So it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. But then he adds this little line that just bugs me all the time because he says, it is conditional. Just as your soul prospers. So John, and I've heard people try to pre preach this away from where he says, well, he's not writing. He was writing to his friend. Well, if you're going to get in that attitude, then the whole world, the whole word is written, written to somebody else. No, God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And yes, there are parts of the Bible that are history. I get that. Not everything is applicable. But this is one of those scriptures that I believe is applicable, totally applicable. I've tried people to say, you can't believe that. I say, well, I believe, I've been believing it for 30 years. What do you mean I can't believe it? <laughs> Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things to be in health just as your soul prospers. And now we begin to understand that there's a key here, and I want to just back it up with Romans 8 too. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what John is saying is what Paul said. Basically, he said, yes, there's prosperity out there, but it's going to be conditional to the way you change your thinking because the soul represents your mind, your will, and your emotions. Amen? So in those three areas, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to get into the one about the mind. It took me a long, long, long time and if I'm not careful, I still have those, a tendency 
to go back to a lack mentality. Now, we, and I'll be honest, you know, in our family, we weren't broke. We growing up in Mexico. My, my, both of my parents were university professors, but, you know, they weren't extremely rich. We were comfortable, but they came from a background of, of scarcity. In Mexico, it's still pretty much the mindset. And then further down the line, of course, my, my dad was a little tiny kid going through the early or the back end of the Great Depression. So, so they come with that mindset, and we don't judge that. But we grew up in our house where you got a couple gifts for Christmas. And maybe in the summer when we came to the stage, you know, they'd buy us clothes and stuff and maybe a couple gifts over there. And maybe one, one gift for your birthday party. That was pretty much it. Anybody remember that? Nowadays, I was like with my grandson, I was like, he says, oh, my birthday. I'm like, you live in your birthday. What are you talking about? He says, oh, Christmas is coming. I said, you live in Christmas. What are you talking about? Because, you know, and I think that we have the ability to be a blessing. So can I hear an Amen. Thank God, you know, our kids didn't have to go with what we went through. But nonetheless, it sets a, a thinking pattern or a stronghold or a mindset that now, ha- because what I'm telling you, this is basically our story. This whole series is our story. My wife and I got a hold of the healing pretty quick. It was like, there it is. Just fill yourself with healing scriptures. Speak it out your mouth. And thank God it's been working for all these years. And yes, we've gotten sick here and there, but nothing serious. You know, nothing major. And when it was major, we were still healed. And when my granddaughter was major, she was healed. But it seemed like we really struggled to get a hold of the prosperity side of this. It took us a lot longer. And it wasn't, the, it's the same word. It's the same word that promises healing. It's the same word that promises prosperity. What's some problem then? The mindset. Mindset of generations. Mindset that, you know, it's never enough. Mindset, because, you know, when we came up, I, I'm glad they kind of changed that because you don't feel shamed anymore. But when we came up to the States, we had nothing. I was, you know, I was working for, you ready? I think I was getting $300 a month with my grandpa. Now, I'll give you that. I didn't have rent. We, he had got us a little mobile home, that famous old mobile home you hear about a lot. And I didn't pay water, but I had electricity. Well, that wasn't a lot of money. <laughs> you know, I don't care what world you lived in. And then, you know, I, I ended up getting a job. I went and got a job, and things, and things got better. But... We, I remember very times going to the HEB and the whole cart was filled with white cans and black letters. They don't know you guys, all you millennials don't even know. You remember John? All right. What I mean, there was a section in HEB that I just called the black and white section. It said beans. And you got beans. And toilet paper said toilet paper. There was no brand. Anybody, come on, y'all acting like you didn't go there. Thank, thank you, Olga. Thank you. See, see, see. thank you, Susie. We're showing our age, of course. It's still the same thing, but now it's got a pretty label. It's country farms. But back then it was, your, this is your broke section. Y'all want, this is the broke section. You don't get any fancy labels. And when you walk out of H-E-B, everybody's going to know you're broke. <laughs> That's who we were. And a very short time that I remember when my wife got some food stamps, and back then they were actually... I mean, you could even buy drugs with them back then if you wanted to, you know. You just peel them off, you know. Now that you got to have credit card and all that. Not that we did that because I didn't do food stamps when I was in the world. I didn't need to. Anyway. Um, and I remember when that was, that was to me was such a, and again, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If it's there, it's thank God for America. Use it, don't abuse it. Say amen. Use, if you need it, use it. You've, you, you have an American right. Just don't become that person. That it's like 15 generations of this. And I remember she would go, and I would go like to the other side of the store. 
I didn't want to have anything to do with her paying with that. Because, you know, growing up in Mexico, none of these things, this same stuff didn't exist, man. Are you kidding me? So the big part I'm getting with this is my mindset. Even after a believer, it took years of chipping at that mindset that God wanted me blessed. Now, we were doing the things, and God was making the system work because we were, we were broke. We were still giving. We were broke. We were still tithing. I was tithing off unemployment checks. I know I shared, I shared this years. We, we've been tithing. You know, this is probably completely illegal, but statute of limitations has passed, so I'm good. We tithed off the food stamps. We didn't know any better. We could be tithers, so if she got $100, we'd rip a $10 food stamp check out and stick it in the offering. Now, we got two people breaking the law, us and the preachers, right? Because they never said no, so I don't know where they was. I guess they went to the building fund or something. So do not conform to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world when we talk about purpose and prosperity? Think about it. The pattern of this world, for the most part, is I'm going to work as hard as I can, I'm going to get as much as I can, and it's for me and my crew. And, you know, if you're broke, that's your problem. That's the mindset of the world. And I think it's even gotten worse over the years. Now, I don't have a problem with, you know, there's two Apple products on my desk, but even the, the idea that everything's an I something. Nothing wrong with, that's, that's just marketing, I get it, but they're marketing off something. Do you know marketing works because it goes into your inner ideas? Think about it. Why do they have to sell bubble gum? Or I remember, <laughs> they don't have it anymore. I just keeps coming back years ago, not that long ago, but there was like this commercial for ice, uh, like chewing gum. And it was like rated R. I'm like, you're advertising gum. Like, are you serious? It was like this real hot and steamy ad. I'm like, why? Because they're, they're connecting one idea to another one, and now you don't even know when you go to Stripes, you want that ice, because you're thinking of that girl, right? They play off of this stuff. Well, the world has, you know, so when everything becomes the iPhone, the I this, the I, the I, the I, the I, 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 who's the God now? I. And, and that's what Paul was referring to, even though this was written thousands of years ago, it's still the same thing. He says, don't take that pattern. Well, how do you break that pattern? This is not a trick question. This is not even a deep question. How do you break that pattern? Think about it. By being a blessing. Because the world says, amass, get it for yourself, put it away somewhere safe, and hopefully you can retire on it and just take care of you and your family. Nothing wrong with that, but God said, that's fine, but there's another part. You have to be a blessing. You have to be a blessing. You can't just say, well, it's all about a... And if you get the prosperity message out of whack, even the prosperity message will fall into this place of, well, I'm just going to do this. And that's where people get disgusted and disgruntled. I remember there was a lady years ago. We were still in Mirando City. She came one time to the house, and she was, you know, she was a great lady, nothing. But she was really mad. And she got in our face, not, not in a bad way, but, but she was almost like, <laughs> I can't get the word in English. I can say it in Spanish. But like reclamando. You know what I'm saying? Like, not really in, about you, but she was mad. She says, you know, I gave $100 to Paulino, and I didn't get none of my wishes. Like, what are you going to do about it, Pastor? I'm like, call Paulino. I didn't, I didn't tell you give me $100, you get five wishes. You give us $100, we give you 10 wishes. 
We don't mess around. No, I just say we don't do nothing. Some of you take that serious, so serious. Oh my gosh, be careful with your ironic jokes, Pastor Box. Somebody might give $100 and ask for 10 wishes. I mean, come on, do you see the, I'm not knocking anybody, but do you see the game? You know, in Mexico, I grew up in Mexico, that's called witchcraft. That's just plain, good old-fashioned witchcraft. I grew up around a bunch of witchcraft. Everything in Mexico is witchcraft. But you know what? Witchcraft's never free. You always have to pay. Es en el trabajito, right? Well, what's the difference between you take that mindset and say, give me $100 and God will. Oh, wait a minute. So now you're in control of this thing? That is a scam. And I'll say it publicly. And, they, and, they, and they're going off people's pains and people's sicknesses and people's needs. And they're giving false hope. And the same people or the same mindset that gives preachers money hoping they'll get something back is the same mindset that all those people up in Bruni at the casinos have. Exact same mindset. If I, hopefully if I can throw some money at it, maybe I can get a lot more back. That is not what we're talking about. That is not, so you, you know, there's all, so even within the church, you got to make sure you watch out the way you think. But the pattern of the world is don't conform to the pattern. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind, I know I've said this many times in the church, I'll say it again for the newer people and, and sake for the online audience, maybe newer people. But to me, the idea of changing the way you think is as important, or let, let me put it this way, the equivalent of it, so if this pulpit represented the cross of Jesus, and I'm on this side of, of the cross, I'm not saved, and I say, Jesus, I need you, come into my life. That experience on this side of the cross, the salvation experience, the equivalent on this side of the cross, on being saved, would be renewing of your mind. That's how important it is. Because what happens, when we come to the cross of Jesus, really the only thing that happens is your, your, <laughs> your eternity address has changed. Over here, your address was 101 hell, and now you got Main Street heaven. But guess what you're still brought? All your mindset. You brought all that stuff that you're still thinking about over here. It's still here. And you're still thinking with your old broke self and your old sick self and your old immoral self and all the other stuff. It's still there. So it is vitally important that believers understand when you come to church, hopefully every time you come to church, your thinking has been affected. There, there's a, a lady, and sometimes she, she still watches online. Of course, she's grown. She has kids now. But we were in that little building, and she was a teenager then. She must have been 15 or 16. She's one of the first people. We weren't over here. We just had a little tiny crew, and, and she would come with her mom. Her mom was very committed. And one day, she stopped me at the door. I'm right there without the door. I can almost remember. And she said, Pastor Box, I just want you to let you know I don't believe in God. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. She said, but I like what you say. I said, well, let's make a deal. You just keep coming. That's fine. I respect the fact that you don't believe in God. And then, you know, the next Sunday, she said, I just figured out what you're doing. You're just brainwashing people. And I said, you got that exactly right. And she took, because she didn't expect that answer, right? And she went like, yes, we're brainwashing people. We're trying to brainwash all that negativity and all that corrupting thinking and all that poverty thinking and all that sick, broke mentality, minority, I can't do nothing with my life thinking, yeah, that's my job. I'm trying to wash that out of your head and put some new thoughts. And she just kind of went like, because she didn't expect me to agree with her, right? But this is about brainwashing, but in the right sense. It's about removing a, a stinking way of thinking and hopefully creating in ourselves the mind of Christ. Because there's nowhere in the Bible of Jesus ever 
ever, 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 not one instant in five Gospels that he has an idea that gives us that poverty is a good thing. Some people go, well, there's a time that Jesus didn't. He said, I don't even have a place to put my head. Go read it. That was in another community. He had a house. He took his disciples to his house. And many theologians agree that the house where the roof was cut out of, that was Jesus' house. It wasn't just a house. (laughs) Jesus had never lack in his life. Never had lack. They needed to feed 5,000 people, which was more like 20,000. It was 5,000 men. They only, they only counted the men. You got the women. Back then, they didn't have TV, so every couple had about 15 kids. So it's probably 20, I'm not joking. Those crowds were 25, 35,000 people. When you see 5,000 men, you're looking at a 35, 40,000 person crowd. And he fed them all. Through miraculous, however you want to, but every one of them got fed. There was never any lack in Jesus. The only time Jesus experienced lack, get this, get this settled, was on the cross. That's the only time because he was supposed to. He took all the sickness, all the disease, all the poverty, all the curse. That's the time that he experiences lack in his life. Other than that, he never experienced lack. I mean, when he's born, you got these guys from the Middle East coming with treasures at the time of his birth. Think about that. So the mindset, even within the church, because you know now the church adopted Hindu ideas. They come from Hinduism, and I can even tell you where the church got it. The church never always didn't always believe that it was bad to have money. But when the missionaries started going into the eastern parts, into India, and they began to you know, evangelize the Hindu nations, well, after 20, 30 years, they adopted some of these martyr ideas of self-sacrifice and poverty and vows of poverty. All that is not in the Bible. A vow of poverty is actually, it's under the curse, but I would say it's an abomination. It's heretical. Because to, to say, I want to I make a vow of poverty when God said, I want you blessed, somebody's off the wall here. But all these things came with the Hindu mentality. And the church adopted them. And I can tell you exactly how it happened, because when the, when the church became official, the Roman church, um, nobody was persecuting them. They, 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 uh, you know what happened in the church? It created a spirit or an attitude of martyr. Oh, we're dying for Jesus, and they were. We're suffering for Jesus, and they were. But when it became the religion of the Roman Empire, they weren't being suffering. So we got to suffer. We got to suffer. Uh, God sent sickness, spirit of martyr. God wants us poor, spirit of martyr. They had to grab into some form of suffering to feel like they are really worthy. Well, that is completely contrary to the word of God. So that's where these things infiltrated the church and, and modern even thinking today. You still go around some Christians. There's a lot of people that don't come in this, to this church because they say, oh, now they talk about his money. No, we don't. We talk about a lot of things. We're talking about money today because I'm trying to present the context of a foundation that made a difference in my life. That you have to have that little other P in there, purpose. Don't you ever forget that one, all right? So he says in, in Romans 8, he says, you need to change the way you think because by doing so, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Everybody say purpose. So it's given us a reference now, what is God's purpose? So let's, let's, let's change the word will into purpose just for teaching principles. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's purpose is. And his purpose is good, 
pleasing, and perfect. Are you with me this morning? All right, let's keep moving. Finding meaning in life. Now, this is a, a, if you don't know who Viktor Frankl is, you should. He's always been somebody that just highly respected. Obviously, he's died many times ago. Viktor Frankl was a Jew psychiatrist that went through the prison camps and had his whole family executed. And he wrote, and he said the reason, he figured out that if we can keep our attitude right, we can get through this thing. And his book is amazing. And there's a, there's a lot of books, but the, the one of them is, is about meaning in life. Anyway, this is who Viktor Frankl was, and this is what he wrote. And he's coming from a perspective where he saw, one of the things that Viktor Frankl saw in the prison camps, he said, if the person could keep some sense of purpose and positivity in their life, they were more likely to survive. As soon as they would go into the point of, what's the point of this? They would soon die. He said, and he, you could see starving men that would still share their bread to the next starving man. And then you would see the starving man that said, no, this is mine. And it was always amazing that the one that didn't share his bread was the first one to die. I mean, it's all these stories because everything was about this mindset. And this is what he wrote. He said, finding meaning in life is discovered within your purpose. No, I'm sorry, this is something I wrote. It says, don't aim at success, as Victor Frankl. This is just my thought. The first one says, finding meaning in life is discovered within your purpose. Searching for meaning without a, a clear purpose is a vain pursuit. You know, the idea of searching for meaning in life, that's some, that's some people that, you know, philosophers will sit and try to figure this out, but there's really no life application. And there's a lot of people that get depressed and kill themselves because they'll think about, say, well, what's the meaning of life? And they can't find the meaning of life, so what they do, they check out. And that's why I'm saying meaning of life really has no, no clear avenue to travel unless it's associated with a purpose in life. Are you all still with me? This is not too deep, is it? So, yeah, we have to find meaning, but you're not going to find meaning apart from purpose. So this is what Victor wrote. Don't aim at success. I like that. that. That right there off the bat, that just blessed me. I was preparing some of this stuff yesterday and even this morning. And, and I said, don't aim at success. Why? Because that is a false aim. That is what the world is doing. Remember I told you, don't be conformed by the world? What is the world trying to? we got to have success. That's all in life. You know, business success, marriage success, Yeah. But he the, the, says, the more you aim at it, this is Victor's quote, and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue, and it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's dedication to a cause greater than oneself. Focus now, because we're about to get into the meat of this morning's message. So success in life, nothing wrong with being successful, don't understand, but it can't be your greatest pursuit. Why do you want to be successful? Why do you want to have money? Why do you want to have all this stuff? Well, if it's to be a blessing, then you're on the right track. You can say amen there. But if it's for anything else, then you're going to be extremely disappointed. Because success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. Think about happiness. What makes you happy? That's a hard question to answer. Think about it. I mean, most people, you know, I want to be happy. And then I say, okay, what makes you happy? They can't answer it. Because right off the get-go, you think, well, think about it. I mean, if you can answer that without overthinking in more than 30 seconds, then you're amazing. Because most people, if I say, if I just say, Laura, what makes you happy? You've got to have to think about it. Right? Because first of all, what is happiness? Is it just laughing? If happiness is laughing, then watch a good comedian. So laughing is not happiness. Something else has to be happiness. 
Happiness is being content. Happiness is being at peace. Some of the happiest moments I have is when I'm in my house and I'm surrounded by all the grandkids and, you know, and everything's fine. That's just, that just feel, has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with anything. It's just the fact that the whole family is together. Except for last night. Last night we had my granddaughter over, first time ever, spent the night with us because Michelle had to go do some things. That girl can cry hours. So if I look sleepy, I am, all right? But my wife and Caden, I gave Caden a break today because I finally, at 11, went to the other bedroom, put my headphones on, and see y'all. I think she cried from 11 to 5 straight. I don't know. It was amazing. That has nothing to do with the message. But, um, you know, happiness, people pursue happiness. Our, you know, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence says we all have a right to pursue happiness. But you're going to have to define what happiness is. Because most people don't really have a clear answer. What makes you happy? And I mean, if you want to take something home about think about that. Because happiness could mean one thing for one person, it could mean something else for somebody else. But I know what does mean. There's a sense of fulfillment, and there's a sense of peace, and there's a sense of contentment when you're able to bless somebody else. That is one thing that does make you happy, for sure. It might just be for that moment, but the moment that you help somebody, it, may, it, it puts that little warm, fuzzy feeling on you. You know why? Because you're walking where God wanted you to walk. And it has nothing to do with where you are financially. It has everything to do where you are spiritually. Amen? So Victor, in these horrible circumstances that he lived, he understood this. He says, for success, like happiness cannot be pursued, it must ensue, and it only does so as the unintended side effect, pay attention, of one's dedication to a cause greater than oneself. So Victor is saying, happiness doesn't come from me pursuing happiness. Happiness is coming from me being able to make somebody else's life a little bit better. So that is the, the effect that it causes. Well, now, now you see, and now this is coming from you know, a Jewish person that understands covenant, understands the Jewish covenant. He understands the blessing. Are you kidding me? You tell a Jew that you're supposed to be broke, he'll slap you because that's a curse in their world. Why do you think they own all the banks? Amen? The Jewish people are very prosperous people. You know why Jewish people have a bunch of kids? Not because they're very spiritual, because in society, not to have kids would be a curse. They're very serious about this curse thing. And the same thing, that's why most Jewish people, that I've never met a broke Jewish person, I'm sure there's some out there, but most people I've met, they're into money. Why? Because for them, it's a blessing. But Victor, in these horrible circumstances of death surrounding him all day, of starvation surrounding him all day, he understood that if he could take half of his portion of bread and help a dying man, that sense of fulfillment would come upon him. Well, that's exactly what the covenant is. You are blessed. Even if all you have left is one piece of bread, you can still break it in half. Right? So, and it's a byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. I know there's a lot in here. And I, I'm sure you know, you're not here to hear what Victor said, but the thing is, these ideas are so rich in the application of what we're trying to teach you this morning. Why is God trying to bless you? 
And the sooner you navigate into the idea that I'm here to be a blessing, <laughs> guess what? This stuff begins to work. It begins to flow. And then God begins to see if he can trust you. And he'll trust you first with five bucks. And then he'll trust you maybe with a $10 bill. And, and you're still being a blessing. And he'll just keep raising the ante and, and saying, okay, I'm going to see how far I can trust this guy. All right? He says, to a person, other than happiness must happen, and the same holds for success. You have to let, let it happen by not caring about it. As soon as you don't care about being happy and you care about being a blessing, guess what's going to happen? Boom, you're going to be happy. Happiness comes from being a blessing. It really does. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. Let's, let's keep going on this. So here's a big one. You want to see purpose? You want to see the blessing? For God loves the world. All right? That's the meaning. God has meaning in his life. God loves the world. That gives God meaning. So what is he going to do with the meaning, you know, with, with the purpose? That he gave his only son. So now God has a meaning to say, I, you know, the meaning of God's existence, he loves us. But how is he going to demonstrate it? He gave. So even from the birth of Christianity, which is this, this is the first idea of what, where Christianity comes from, is that God gives his son. God gives. In other words, God is blessed to be a blessing. And here comes the blessing. He gives so that whoever believes in him will not perish. But, you, you know, but have eternal life. Well, this can't happen unless God gives, right? What do you think it makes God happy? Same thing that makes you happy, family. Are you still with me? God desires you as much as you desire him. That's why believers should never be scared of death. You know, I want to live here till my time is complete. I'm not gonna, I don't want to go by the way of sickness and disease or an accident or nothing. I'm going to believe God for 120. That's my goal. That's what the Bible says. That's the reason I believe it. No other reason that the Bible says a man's life is 120 years old. But when you have this life that God gives you, and then God says, I give you my son so you have eternity now, and there's a, I was going to use it, but I had so many scriptures already. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, God has planted in every heart eternity. Think about that. That's why every, every culture, do you understand that atheism is kind of a newer thing within the context of world history? Atheism hasn't always been, I'm sure there's people that never believed in anything, I get that, but atheism as we understand it, it's kind of a newer thing. I'm talking, it became pretty big in the last maybe 150 years ago, you know, with, with Karl Marx and Lenin and the, you know, the communist movement, which was completely atheist. They were the first big ones to push an anti-God rhetoric. But atheisms, you know, atheism is something that, like I said, it's something that has not always been around. But what's always been around in every culture is that people are pursuing spirituality. Maybe wrong, maybe they're worshiping a tree, maybe they're worshiping an idol, but there's something in them that says, no, this can't be all it. That's why you're here this morning. Because you're saying, this can't be all it. There's something else. There's something higher that we're pursuing. Amen? And I think that's one of the things you have to understand. You know, God loves the world. He gave his son because what God wants is to spend eternity with you. So he has that same desire that most of us have. You know, maybe some of you don't say, so, no, you don't know my family. I don't even want to be around any of them. Okay, I know those people. But most people, <laughs> well, I'm going to say most people. I tell people, your family, you don't get to choose them. You get to choose friends, so remember that. 
But the point of it is God did this whole thing because he knew that in the plan it would be this way. If he could get people to believe in his son that he gave as a sacrifice, every one of those souls would spend eternity in heaven with him. Glory to God. Amen? All right, let's keep moving. Now, let's talk about misdirected purpose. This is a big one because this is very easy to happen. And trust me, as, as being a pastor almost 30 years, well, 30 years since I got saved next year, and you could probably say 28 years since we've been doing some form of ministry, you see it all the time. And I wanted to make sure this didn't happen in my life, and I'm very aware of it, but this is something that is very real, and it can happen to you, and I know online church, you're watching me, it can happen to anybody. So well, that will never happen to me, Pastor Box. Okay, trust me. It, we're all open targets, because this is exactly the process of God's blessing. Deuteronomy 8.10, now this is quite long, so I'm going to go through it pretty quick. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the praise Lord your God for the goods he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commandments, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, before I flip the screen, you know what he's talking about, the blessing. That's what the blessing will cause in your life. Increase. Everybody say increase. You know, I've been watching when we first showed up here, and I've watched families that have connected with us almost since the beginning. Every one of us has prospered. None of us have gone down. When we showed up, we had a little tiny building. We had a dirt parking lot, and look, the church is prosper. We got this building, and another building. We've got property in the back. Everything that God touches increases. Amen? And, you know, in the book of Deuteronomy, well, Moses is the one that wrote this, but he's referring to that. He says, listen carefully, because this would be misdirected purpose. I'm going to show you the misdirected purpose now. Verse 11 says, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Don't you ever forget where the blessing came from. I'm going to go way ahead of my teaching, but you know how you don't forget? By being a blessing. <laughs> That's the way you never forget. Every time God does something good to you, you should be thinking, who can I help? Who can, whose life can I make better with this? All right? But everything about here says about increase, increase, increase. Houses, remember it says it doesn't say house? Houses? Glory to God. Fine houses. Herds and flocks growing. Silver and gold increasing. Everything you have is multiplied. Then comes the misdirected purpose. Pay attention now, guys. We're, we're right in the middle of it. Then your heart will become proud. Pride is the beginning of the end in your relationship with God. Not the beginning of your end, but the beginning of the end of your relationship. Because pride begins to tell you you're all it. You're so smart, you got some now. And you're soon to forget how broke you were when you came to Jesus. Broke spiritually, broke emotionally, broke at every level. That's who I was. And God's been in the process of fixing everything in my life, and he still has a long way to go. That we're way better now than we were before. Amen. Your heart will become proud. You will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And then he goes through kind of the things that he got him out of, because he's, he's referring to the 40 years in the desert. 
He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, the thirsty and waterless land, its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of the hard rock. Man, verse 15 sounds like Hebron Bill, right? Except the snakes have two feet. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness. Some of you, some of you are going to get that like at midnight tonight. Something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end you might go well with you. You know, I do thank God. I'm going to tell you honest with you. I do thank God, and I think that had to be part. Not now, God didn't cause this, but I do thank God that my coming to God came in my life from a place where I was at absolute zero. Actually, I said, I said this in Laredo Church last week. I wasn't at zero. I was like dot negative. <laughs> Not even at zero would have been ahead of the game. We were like, I mean, my car had been repoed. You name it. Everything was gone when I came to Jesus. So that makes it easy for me to tell you today that anything you see positive in my life, he gets all the glory for it. He gets say everything you're doing, everything Pastor Bog knows what he's doing. Nope. If you see the blessing in my life, that's God. Because I already proved to myself and my family that me on my own can't do it. He gave you manna to eat, something your ancestors had known. So pay attention, he says, because now he brings in pride. And this is the, the reason I want to tell you this is one of the things that I believe has kept us in the ministry this long is we kind of settled some of these things. Because I've known, you know, I'm in the ministry. I've, I've been head of ministerial organizations. I was a head of one in, you know, for ICFM Mexico for many years, over 90 pastors and leaders in, in ministerial organizations working in Ukraine with a lot of pastors. And you see a lot of pastors fail, fail morally, fail financially, or just finally just give up. You know, not that they did anything wrong, they just got burned out. And, you know, we've all been exposed to that temptation to give up. We've all been exposed to different things. But I think one of the keys to understanding, one of the keys that gives you longevity in the ministry is understanding that. That you are where you are and you have what you have because of God. Because there's very few things I can't stand. And one thing I can't stand, and pray for me, I can't stand arrogant preachers. That's just me, I can't. You know, and, and I've met a bunch of them. And, you know, when they're full of pride and I'm like, dude, that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus was humble. Remember, humility doesn't mean poverty. Humility means I respect you. Humility is, is one of the highest forms of respect. When you're humble to anybody in your life, you're showing respect to that person. Are you still here? Humility has nothing to do with how much you have or you don't have. I have some of the poorest people I've met or some of the most arrogant people I've met, and I've met very, very wealthy people that are very humble people. So your enemy will be pride because here's what's going to happen. And if you're new to the church, get ready because God's going to increase you. If you've been in the church for a while, I know God has increased you. The one thing you've got to be careful is when you are wealthy and you are rich and everything's going good for you, will you be here next Sunday? Two, two yeses. The other ones are thinking about it. No, just kidding. Because, again, from this, from this place, I see lots of, I've seen hundreds of people, thousands of people, even in this church. Well, we cleaned our database. I'm talking 15 years ago. We had over 2,000 families registered that have filled out a visitor's card. We've seen a lot of people come through here. And I've seen people walk in with nothing and sit there, and God begins to bless them, and they begin to increase, Joe, and you know people like that. And then as they got better and bigger, they started missing. 
and missing a little here because now they got money to go on vacation and now they got money for this and now they're doing this and pretty soon you see them once a month, pretty soon you see them once every six months, pretty soon you don't ever see them again. Well, what happened to them? That. They forgot where they came from. Don't ever forget, ever forget, you should, if you want to build a memorial in your life, you've got to build a memorial of the day that you met Jesus. Where were you? That's why I say, I thank God we were at zero. I really do. We had nothing going for us. My marriage was done. We were, she was leaving. Uh, you know, of course, why not? I was a mess. We had no money. We were broke. But when, we, when God came in, he took us from zero to wherever we are today. And that will keep you humble. Amen? He goes on to say, you may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me. Whoa there now. Now you're walking in misdirected purpose. Because if you, if, once you think things are happening because you're all it, then that money has no connection to spirituality level. Because you work hard. That's my money. Why should I give it to the church? I'll work hard. All right. The thing you forgot about is the reason you have a job is because God gave you that job. Don't forget that. The reason you got money is because, you know, the only difference between you and the guy under the bridge is favor. So once you forget that, then you become the God of your life. And last time I was a God of my life, it totally sucked, right? I don't know if you can say that in church, but I just did. I mean, it was the truth. In my life, I, I, if any, I, I was an entrepreneur, guys. I've always been an entrepreneur. Before Jesus, we had so many businesses, legal and illegal, and none of them worked. I could, I'll tell you the legal ones because I don't, you know, we're online. I sold hamburgers. We made hamburgers. That went broke. Money goes laughing. I sold shoes. We sold candy. Those are just illegal businesses. All of them went broke because God wasn't involved in any of them. Amen? As soon as, as soon as I gave my life to God and tried to do a business again, okay, now it kind of sort of works. And, it, and it, when it doesn't work, it's because I didn't give God first place in it. I'm just telling you, it's amazing what he does. You want to start a business, get, make God your partner. Say, come on, Lord, we're going to start a business. You know what his share is? Make sure you tithe. Simple as that. Not because I have to, because we're partners. You get 90, he gets 10. Pretty good deal, right? Come on, guys. That's, that's, you want to do business with God, that's how it works. He's not going to change his word for you. He loves you, but he's not going to change his word. And there are certain things he put in the Bible for a reason. And it's about partnership. It's about covenant. That's what, that's what the whole tithe is about, covenant. It's nothing. It's not about, you know, just a dime on every dollar. It's covenant. It's saying, I want every part of my life in covenant with God. So he says, my power and my strength. This is a person that says, my hands have produced this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he. Everybody say, it's he. Who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Right there, I mean, come on, church. Go back to your Bible. This Bible is a book of prosperity. You're not going to get away from it. Some people say, that's not, no, no, no. You just got to keep it in context. Say purpose. Prosperity. Those, always manage those two words and your doctrine will be fine and you'll never be, come under some scheme or scam and you will never come under somebody stealing your money. Because at the end of the day, I want to know what you're doing. What's the purpose behind this? He says, you remember the Lord for it is he that gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. I love this stuff, man. I could preach this all day. Which he swore to your ancestors today. But here it comes. If you ever forget the Lord your God, 
and follow other gods, mainly you, and worship you, because that's what it's coming down to right here. I already said who the God is. My power? Are you following with me? He's already telling you who the God is, me. And you, you see that it's a little g? You don't want to be involved with that little g. You want to be involved with a capital G. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, little g, and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you this day, you will surely be destroyed. That's why I'm telling you, prosperity without purpose will probably hurt you. Because once you lose the purpose, the destruction is coming. And the same word that promises you that God will prosper you, it's the same word. God's not going to bring the destruction. The destruction is going to come by default. Because Satan's the one that's trying to tear this whole thing up anyway. So as soon as you remove the big G and you put yourself in the position of big G, you're an open target. And you might have all the money in the world, but guess what? You don't have a family anymore. Nobody can stand you. Amen? There's a lot of very, very millionaire, billionaire people that spend every, every night of their lives by themselves because all they were was about their money. And in the process of becoming millionaires and billionaires, they lost their family. Amen. Not everybody, but I'm saying, they're out there. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship by them, testify against say you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. So, that would be misdirected purpose. Now, where I'm taking you with this teaching, like I said, it's going to take us maybe a couple of weeks to get everything settled, but to understand purpose with prosperity is one of those things that hopefully becomes a foundation in your life. Because now you find out that your job is God didn't give you the job for you to make a living. He gave you a job so you could have seed. You guys are missing all the best amen parts. He gave you a job so you could have seed. And your seed determines how wealthy you can be. Just like the farmer, if he's going to sow one, <laughs> only one grain of corn, yeah, he'll get one stock and he'll have a lot of corn, but it's way different than if he sows acres and acres and acres of corn. So the ability to, to create wealth, God gave you the favor, God put the blessing on you, but the level of it is up to you. It's completely up to you. And that's what, that's what he's saying. So, so misdirected prosperity. So now let's go into purpose about why we're doing all that we do. What is the purpose of Faithway? What is the purpose of why we do what we do? Why am I, am I even here this morning? Well, it really comes down to the, the same purpose of Jesus. I didn't, I didn't have to go sit there and fast for 40 days and God give me a purpose in life. All I had to do was go read the Bible. Because who cares what my purpose is? You know? My purpose right now is actually to go, go to sleep. My wife's already doing that right now, but that's fine. Don't bother her. She had a rough night. <laughs> she and Caden took it all last night. I didn't, man. I was, I put headphones, I'm gone. But you know there's a higher calling than, because when I leave this church, I don't go to bed. I got to beeline from here and do this all over again in Laredo. And that's fine. I love it. Amen? But do you want to see that? The purpose of Jesus is he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning for this purpose. Here we go. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's it. For this purpose, faith way was manifested in heaven, Bill. That, that's the truth, that we might 
destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Depression, anxiety, addictions, divorces, messed up kids, messed up marriages, messed up parents, people diagnosed with serious sickness and disease. The devil's out on a rampage. And we have a purpose, church. Our purpose is not to sit here on Sunday and say amen and hallelujahs when you're supposed to. Our purpose is to make a difference out there. This is a training center, if you haven't noticed. This is come in, get some information, get some application, and hopefully every one of you, I'm believing God, every one of you will prosper beyond your wildest dreams, but you don't forget purpose. I really believe that. And don't sit there, and I know somebody, I just, the Holy Spirit just told me, somebody just thought, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I don't have nothing. Nobody has nothing. Well, are you going to limit God on this? Are you kidding me? I said this, or was it? I think it's in Laredo. If God, because some of you guys don't even know what I'm talking about. H would know. Maybe he doesn't. Vienna might know. Do you remember the movie about the Dobermans? The Dobermans? You remember that? I said that to, to, to the Laredo Church, and there were a bunch of millennials over there, and they looked at me like, The Doberman. How many know what I'm talking about? Thank you, H. See? Only H and Deanna and I know what we're talking about. There was a famous movie in the 70s. Not only one. There were like three or four movies. You know what I'm talking about, John? You're just old as we are. Of course. And the whole story is they trained these Dobermans to rob a bank. Thank you, Elizabeth. Now you remember. Elizabeth's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I love this church. I just have such a good time preaching to y'all. And those Dobermans, they got mad at their owners and they took off with all this money and somebody else got out, ended up with all the money. My point of that whole story is if God needs a bunch of Doberman pinchers with a bunch of money to find your house, he will send them there. Don't you ever limit God on how many ways he has to prosper you. Because that is such a lie of the devil. You'll seriously say, well, yes, Pastor Boggs, you guys have a ranch and you have all this. And No, 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 I didn't have nothing. You don't limit God. He can give you. Do you know the guy that made, this was a hilarious story, I don't know, but there was some guy that invented, and it's like, why didn't we think of that? And H knows the story, but he might know it better than I do, but you know, you guys have seen the colored paper clips, right? Colored paper clips. And the idea of the colored paper clips wasn't for you to look cute. They were supposed to be a sign. Nobody knows that, but you know, red was like, hey, pay it. That guy, all he did was color paper clips. Somebody else invented the paper clips. He decided to put color on them. He's a millionaire today. You're like, yeah, exactly. Why didn't I think of that? That's like one of the dumbest things you can think of. The guy's a millionaire today. All he did was he patented the idea that, hey, we can color paper clips. Simple things like this. God could drop a million-dollar idea in your head right now that nobody's ever thought of before. Not everything has been invented, you know that, right? When was it in 19, I'm going to mess this one up, but it was something like 1910 or, or maybe even earlier than that, the patent office said they were going to close it because everything had been invented? That's a true story, 1910. They said there's no point of having the patent office because everything that will ever be invented has been invented. <laughs> yeah, they missed it just a little bit. I guess it's the same people that are running the whole COVID thing, I'm pretty sure now. You know, I don't know, because it's, a, it's about as insane now. Doctor, what's his name? Now he wants you to put like 15 masks on. I'm like, whatever. Now, nah, let's get off that. That is our purpose. When, you have, when somebody says, what is faith way about? You tell them that. 
You tell them that. What are you all doing with faith weight? We destroy the works of the devil. You'll freak them out. Are you one? No, no, I'm not a devil. Okay, you will live then. That's our job. And this church is full of stories, my story, your story, that, that is exactly that. We were completely governed by Satan in our thinking. He controlled our lives on so many levels, but guess what? Somebody brought Jesus into our life, and we grabbed it, and our life is so much different. Can somebody give the Lord a praise for that? So we are all, we've all come from that place. We were under that oppression, and the gospel message gave us. And I love this one. This is, again, this is one of my foundation scriptures. I'm going back into my early bringings in ministry. Jude 1, 21, also Jude is just one chapter. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and to eternal life, verse 22, and on some have compassion. And the last little line is one of the little mantras of our ministry, making a difference. I want to be part of a church that's making a difference. I want to be surrounded around people that are making a difference. I don't want to be surrounded with a bunch of bench warmers that do nothings. I want people that are active, that know that we're on a mission. Until Jesus comes, we got something to do. And everyone in this building has something to do. You were born, you were created with purpose. You might have not discovered it yet, but you were. God did not create people without purpose. And these are the five questions I want to leave you this morning. I got to finish this thing. We're going to pick it up here next week, so don't there's a part two to this, so you need to come back next week or watch it online. But I want to leave you with these questions, because these are the questions that are really going to begin to define your purpose. And we're really going to get into that next week. We're going to really work into what is my calling, Pastor? What am I supposed Because that's a big question, right? And, you're going to, and it's not that hard to think. But these five questions will, at the very least, begin to identify what you're called to do. What's your purpose in life? Because your prosperity, again, I'm going to... I'm about done. Your prosperity is completely tied into your purpose. And your purpose is completely tied into your prosperity. So you better find out what you're here to do. Because once you find out what you're here to do, God will finance that. Hey, thank you for that amen. When I figured that in ministry, that, that's when I became free of, you think it was, I was always like this? No, we went through a learning process. We still are learning. And money used to be a big thing because we didn't have any and the church didn't have any and, we, and everything was bumping around. And then one day I had this aha moment. I said, oh, Lord, this is your church. Mm-hmm. And I, thought, I told my wife, I remember one time we were backed up and we couldn't even pay the light bill in our church here, here in Hebronville. It was years ago. You, we were just, I think we were barely moving into this building or something. But it was, you know, when you have that little building and now you have this one with 15 tons of AC and you're used to paying $100 a month. And it was nothing like what we're paying today. But the point of it was, I came to that moment and said, you know what, God? This is your church. They cut, the, they cut the lights out, that's on you, not on me. And when I figured that out, money began to flow. Isn't that amazing? And I don't stress it. And we used to spend way more time believing for finances than we do nowadays. I, I, I spend very little time asking God for money. You, you even see, you know, I don't spend... 20 minutes trying to pick up an offering. I say, hey, y'all want to give money? Give. If you don't want to give, fine. <laughs> because at the end of the day, he's in charge. Amen? These are the five questions and we'll close. Number one, what is at the center of your life? Don't answer it right now. Think about it. What is the one thing you always gravitate to every day? The one thing, your mind. Is it your family, your money, your health, whatever. That's not a, that's not a wrong answer. That just means what is at the center. 
What is the character of your life? Does your character support what's at the center of your life? We'll, we'll break all this down next week. I don't want to break it down now. But what is your character? And this by I mean because I had to change. You know, you know what? Before Jesus, in my life, I was, I was that I guy. Everything was about us. And there's two, there's two classes of people in the world, really. You can break it down into two classes. You got takers and you got givers. Which one are you? Before Jesus, I was a taker. I would scheme and scam to make money and I could care less who I ripped off. That's the honest truth. But when Jesus came, I decided that's not who I am. I'm not that person anymore. So you have to, you're either a giver or a taker. That's pretty much it. And covenant people will always be givers. God's people will always be givers. What is the contribution of my life? Are you adding to somebody, even if it's by a text, a phone call this week, an encouraging message, a hug, groceries. I don't know. What is your contribution? Because if you're not contributing to something, then you're on the, then you're, you're, you become part of that category, right? Of, of the takers. What is the communication of my life? When people say you're, when people talk about you, what is, what are they going to say? That's really what communication is. And hopefully, you know, not everybody's going to like you. Get over it. Stop get, you know, stop trying to get everybody to like you. But at the end of the day, even the people that don't like you got to speak the truth about you. They might say all the stuff they don't like about you, but somewhere in there say, well, I don't like her, but I know she has a real generous heart. You know, she'll have to say it right there, and they'll have to plug something in there. That's actually in the book of Psalms, 126. Even the heathens will say, look what God has done with these people. What are we communicating? What are we communicating as individuals? What are we communicating as a church? Amen? And then the uh, last one, what is the community of my life? Who am I surrounded with? Am I surrounded with positive, godly people that have vision, that want to change the world? Or I'm just surrounded with takers and troublemakers and mozos, chismosas, all that stuff, right? Think about these questions, amen? Let's just leave it at that. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Um, we're not done, you know that. But I, I got to get, I got to start pointing myself towards Laredo. God. Um, next Sunday will be way more relaxed. Um, we're starting a new schedule in Laredo at, starting at 2 p.m. Uh, there was a lot of logistics over there because we have a Spanish service also, so they were butting up with a Spanish service. But, but Laredo Church is doing good, I think. You know, we finally got a good rhythm. But I want to pray this over you this morning. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. If you're watching me online, somebody invited you and you've never committed to God, this is the biggest, biggest, biggest decision you can make. We can address all the other problems that you have. We can address the finances, the health. But the one that there's no way we can address them unless Jesus has become the center of your life. So just invite him, even if you don't understand everything. But it has to be a will invitation. If you see yourself, say, Pastor, you know, I just need something different in my life today. Well, the biggest thing I can offer you is Jesus. That's the biggest difference you're going to have. So let's pray. Everyone in this church, everyone online, and everyone, just repeat this prayer. Even if you're born again, it's always a great prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I declare today that you are my Lord and Savior. And Lord, I know that with my salvation comes my purpose in life. Thank you, Lord, that you give my life meaning and you give my life purpose. Amen. Now keep your eyes closed, and this is my prayer for you as we close. Father, I thank you for faith. I thank you for all the things it's done over the years. And Father, this wasn't Monica and I. It wasn't HH and I or Diana, the leadership. It's always been you, and it's always been these amazing people. 
that, Father, that Faithway will always be clear that our mission in life is very simple, to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy depression, disappointment, sickness and disease, poverty and lack. Father, that we are an encouraging voice to those that need hope. Father, I thank you, Lord, that Faithway this year will continue to be a great influence to this community and that you will show us and you will give us wisdom. And I also pray, Father, that this message is resonating in people's hearts this morning where they want to get involved, where they're tired of being on the bleachers, where they're tired of just being watching as spectators, that they will get involved with the teams, that they will get involved with our children's ministry, our nursery, our youth program, our outreaches, our missions, Father, that there's a place for everyone, Father. And I give you glory, Father, that we can leave this building this morning knowing there is a meaning in our life. That yes, our lives aren't perfect. We have a lot of issues. We have things that, Father, we can wake up every morning knowing that there's purpose and meaning for us. That, Father, if we can make somebody's life better this week by even a text or a phone call, that's purpose, that's meaning. So I give you glory and praise for this teaching. We receive it with joy in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Well, I think the Lord needs another hand clap after that. Come on, church. You may be seated for a moment.